are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. Hey everybody, tonight on Band from Ringside, we're going to be talking about the new number one contender for the WWE Championship. We're going to be talking about the Universal Championship picture. We're going to be talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Tournament. And uh, Jason's going to yell at me a whole lot more tonight on Band from Ringside. Ditch that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. Welcome to Band from Ringside Podcast. I am your host, Raiders of the Lost Smark, Bill Vagy. <laughs> and to my right, as always, we have two beers, Zach Pullman. How's it going, Bill? Uh, going good. Going pretty good. How are you? I can't complain. I mean, uh, very busy week for me. It's St. Louis Craft Beer Week. And, you know, not a sponsor of the show. But not it's a sponsor. A, it's a big focus of my life. So between that and the G1 and, uh, you know, all the other shit going on, it's, uh, I feel like JCB, I'm a little sleep deprived. <laughs> Sounds bit, And like Zach mentioned, to his right, as always, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? It's clobbering time! <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. What's going on? Uh, well, I'm feeling a little apprehensive tonight because uh, there's a movie that I've been looking forward to quite a bit. It's coming out uh, on August the 4th, which is, uh, as you're listening to this, would be today, hopefully, but it's tomorrow, and it's The Dark Tower. It's quite a bit is an understatement. This is I, a- I've been looking forward to it. Zach's been looking forward to it. You I'm don't familiar. know what it yeah, is? I'm unfamiliar. Uh, it's a new movie. Uh, it's an adaptation of a Stephen King series of novels right. called The Dark Tower. Uh, there was some controversial uh, casting choices at the beginning amongst the uh, nerds that uh, Idris Elba was going to be playing the gunslinger. Who uh, Idris Elba is an African American? He's not even an American. He's an African Briton. Is it? Yeah, yeah, Briton. Yeah, I think Briton. Anyway, I looked today. It's got 18% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is fucking rough. It's got Matthew McConaughey as the head villain. Right. And uh, Zach and I are both big fans. This is actually one of the first things that Zach and I bonded over when we first met seven years ago was the Dark Tower series. And I was going to go see it on Saturday. And ain't in a rush to go see that motherfucker. Uh, 18% is pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. We can wait. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I mean, stay tuned for uh, Bill and I's new Dark Tower podcast uh, <laughs> where we complain about the movie and then we just talk about the book for, you know, the next three years. Ah, maybe the movie rules. Anyway, it made me feel a little apprehensive about going and seeing it. But still, you know what? I'm going to trudge ahead. I'm going to go see it Saturday. Maybe it's the shit. Who knows? Don't do it. The actual, no, who knows? It might be good. Don't the actual do it. like stake into the heart of the whole thing is that Stephen King likes it. Yeah, he says he does. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. What, what, why wouldn't he say give his you know seal of approval at this point? I mean, if you're a Stephen King fan, you know that there are just a few gems of his films. His books are great. His endings are kind of hit or miss. Uh, Dark Tower is his magnum opus, but. The the whole thing with Dark Tower is it has such a fan following. There's going to be controversy anyway. It's got to be at least really good, if not awesome, to get anybody behind it. So They're, they should add Frank Darabont direct it, who did Shawshank, who did Green Mile, who did Mist, um, and then it would have been good. 
And that concludes uh, <laughs> Band from Ringside. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We're done here. You know, well, we have plenty of wrestling to talk to. Sorry we took so long. But hey, uh, if you have any Dark Tower thoughts, please hit us up at Friends of BFR <laughs> or Band from Ringside Podcast. Uh, but without further ado, we will move on to our three counts. What's our first count, JCB? We got to start at the top. We got to talk about John Cena and Nakamura. Uh, number one contenders match for the John right to Cena Nakamura to fight uh, Mr. Jinder Mahal for the WWE title. Um, it's a dream match, Maggle. It. it uh, so let's go over what happened. Yeah, on Tuesday night live SmackDown or whatever it's called, SmackDown Live, SmackDown Live. Um, uh, good match. I mean it. It it was what I thought it was going to be. It really gave Nakamura a chance to kind of work a little more stiff, a little more of his strong style. Style that because John Cena, I think, can play off that and play with that. You the, mean better than Dolph Ziggler or Baron Corbin? Maybe it, not. Maybe I mean, not is Dolph that what you mean? Maybe yeah, not Dolph yeah, Ziggler. Maybe not but. Dolph Ziggler, but definitely Baron Corbin. That that for whatever reason wasn't working. John Cena is now kind of morphed into this guy where he's not. AJ Styles, but maybe the next tier down, he can pull out a good match out of his ass when he needs to. And he needed to on Tuesday night because he really had to get Nakamura over in some form or fashion. His push on the the main event scene has kind of stalled a little bit. Long story short, obviously Nakamura wins. I shouldn't say obviously because if you'd have talked to me a week ago and told me Nakamura was going to win, I would have told you. I was saying last week you were like, obviously we're gearing towards Cena. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I've gender. said it for weeks. I've said it for weeks. So, I mean, That's yeah. why you should he, stop starting sentences with obviously, Jason. Never. Because I'm going to say, who, who would I be if I didn't just put it out there <laughs> like that? So, yeah, this week I am eating a big spoonful of crow. Nakamura wins. Nakamura and Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam for the title. That's, it's strange. Yeah, uh, that, that doesn't even sound right. Can't even could get that off my tongue. Two beer. Yeah, I mean, if you would have said, you know, a year ago that uh, Shinsuke Nakamura is going to face Jinder Mahal for the WWE Championship <laughs> at SummerSlam and Donald Trump is president, I'd be like, what right. world am I living yeah, in? Right. <laughs> but um, the match was good. Um, I think it could have gone a little longer, even though, I mean, they pushed the dream match thing down our throats. It's uh, not a dream match when you interrupt it twice with commercial breaks. No sure. shit. Yeah, that was a big point of contention. Yes. My favorite part about it was... Um, not the botch itself, if it was a botch, but, uh, you know, Cena landed on his neck pretty hard. He took a pretty bad bump. No, please. But, it was not that bad. I've seen worse. No, no, no. It was bad. It, it looks bad. It looked bad. bad enough that people are talking about it. But Whatever. Everybody's babying John Cena. Get over it. My favorite thing was no, that no. Nakamura... Go to Good Morning America, Go for God's sake. Go ahead. My favorite thing was that Nakamura, facing the hard camera apologized to Cena right after the match when they shook hands. And, and Cena said, said, don't be sorry. Yeah, he said, I'm sorry. And then he says, don't be sorry. And then he raised his fucking hand. Say what you want about John Cena. I, I wasn't watching during Super Cena where he didn't lose a match clean for like two years. Uh, but um, Cena's a class act. And I mean, he deserves all the praise that he gets. Well, uh, I, I think that um, there's a possibility that it wasn't Nakamura's fault. I think that Cena probably didn't. Uh, I've never been trained as a wrestler. It didn't seem like Cena rotated well enough through that exploder suplex. Didn't commit. Didn't commit, right. I mean, Cena is a huge athlete, and I can see him doing a lot of things. I mean, really, really impressive things, but a backflip might not be one of them. Right. I mean, it it, it was a... Despite what JCB says, it was a fucked up looking spot. It was enough so to where I 
sat up from my chair and I was like, oh shit, like that might have really hurt John Cena. And when the match ended, don't roll those <laughs> eyes at me. And when the match ended, and when the match ended, Cena started opening and closing his hands to the referee, like, oh shit, like he had a stinger. Like he had a stinger. That's not the stinger splash, but the actual stinger, like they used to talk about when I played high school football. Like if you hit your neck too hard, you'd have a stinger where you couldn't feel your hands very well. It fucked John Cena up. And right after the pin, Nakamura rolls back and points his eyes towards John Cena just to make sure he was okay. It also wasn't because- the the worst Kishasa I've ever seen. It was it was a pretty light. Kishasa. It was a pretty light Kinshasa. Yes, it was. Definitely. Yeah, he, he definitely took some off that and. and- to your point, maybe it's, he was trying to protect him a little more because Cena did take the that nasty bump. Which I, yeah, I don't because think it was that nasty, Nakamura knows me. that you can't like if you, if there's a death knell in uh, WWE from Vince's perspective, it's fucking up John Cena from oh, a yeah. lot, from a lot of people's perspective. Oh yeah, he's the, a lot of people's cash cow. Yeah, for sure, he's the franchise face. There's no question about yeah. that. I just like I said, I didn't think it was that. It alerted me, but it wasn't like, oh, you know, I didn't see the neck kind of crimp up. It just, it looked stiff. And that's the only thing I took away from it. I can't believe you're downplaying that. I, look, like, I'm just, sur- that's surprising to me that you're downplaying it. I I'm, did not expect that take coming out of this BFR episode. No, Hot take, baby. Yeah, Hot I take. was going to say, I didn't think it was that bad. Okay, but uh, the finish means that we have Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal for the WWE Championship. At SummerSlam. Now, going forward, there's a lot to talk to about. A lot to talk about this. Going forward. What's the angle? What's the angle? Because Jinder Mahal's entire thing is he even brought up xenophobia. He even said the word xenophobia in the Mm -hmm. promo on Tuesday night. So what's his thing if he's going against another guy who doesn't, a guy who speaks the language less than Jinder Mahal, a guy who is... Uh, less Northern American than Jinder Mahal being from Canada and Nakamura is actually from Japan. What is going to be Jinder Mahal's angle, do you think, to beer? Yeah, this is tough. And the I don't know what the angle is going to be. I think it will be, um, you know, WWE is going to spin it. Um, I don't say WWE as good as Michael Cole. I'm sorry. I say it more like Kurt Angle. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's tough. Michael Cole's great at it. Anyway, uh, I don't it's know what the angle is going to be for storyline because it's been such the same thing for so long. I think, honestly, it'll probably just still be the same and he'll cut the same goddamn promo. Um, I would like to think that Nakamura would not lose clean. I mean, he Orton job three times. None of them were clean. And I don't necessarily see them changing that pattern unless Nakamura goes over and Corbin cashes in on Nakamura for a super heat like to draw some amazing heat, which yeah. has been the kind of the trend where a first time baby face, first time champion baby face wins and then the heel cashes in. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Happened, yeah. Uh, JCB, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, Tubier basically said, not even stole my thunder, but I could see, I could totally see that happening. Baron Corbin coming in to cash in after a Nakamura win. I don't think there's any reason. Why they would put Nakamura in this match unless he's going to go over? And who's he been feuding with over the last month or so? Baron Corbin. Corbin. So I can kind of, I can definitely see that happening. Just the knee jerk reaction. My thoughts on the, the match itself. This is where Jinder Mahal is going to have to step his game up and come up with something more than this anti-American shtick that he's been running since he's become champion and since he's come back to the main roster. This that America has nothing to do with this match. 
Okay, like you said, we're talking about two guys that are not Americans going for the, the richest tile in our sport. So we're talking about an Indian Canadian dude against the Japanese dude. Okay, so we, we can't if he even mentions. Man, I still can't believe they did it. I yeah. I'm very surprised just just on the fact that with John Cena you would have someone that could help carry the verbal portion of this angle no shit nakamura is not going to be cutting promos like john cedar could be should be so that's going to be a huge problem and that's more of a reason why i think jinder mahal if he's going to be a true player as world heavyweight champion this is the time where he's going to have to literally carry the verbal load because god bless nakamura he's just not going to be able to do it yeah nakamura can carry gender in the ring but gender's going to have to carry him on the mic I'd like, to, I'd like to see what Jinder does with Nakamura in the ring, though, because it's yeah. got to be more exciting than Jinder versus Orton, who have the exact same style. And I think Jinder cares enough about that belt, and he appreciates his position in WWE right now, and he knows that it was a pipe dream to let Nakamura go all out on him. Like, also, I can just see him beforehand just being like, knee me in the face as hard as you fucking can. Oh, yeah. And also, Jinder, who's been bouncing around the indies forever and had a cup of coffee with the WWE, went away, bounced around the indies, came back, like... Who like he he probably has a very good idea of what it means to get in the ring against Nakamura and have a title match. Nakamura's first WWE title match is going to be against Jinder Mahal. If I can fantasy book this, <laughs> I say let's soak in it for a second. That is strange, <laughs> so man. Up. It's really weird. No way I'd have seen this coming. I, if I'm fantasy booking, I have Nakamura going over Corbin cashing in Nakamura Corbin at Survivor Series. And then Nakamura goes over, and then we carry it into an AJ Styles uh, Nakamura WrestleMania. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully, I think that's where we're in some form or fashion. We'll, we're getting towards AJ Nakamura, especially going this route, and we're going to talk about AJ here in a little bit. But it, it's it's a WrestleMania type match, and they're doing they're taking a, a weird way to it. But ultimately, I think this is going to work itself out. Um, I'd hope it. A part of me just hopes that it's not a cash-in by Corbin right away, but I kind of agree with Two Beer on this one. I think that's where we're going to end up going for at least a little bit. So are we going to have, because we all know who Cena's facing at SummerSlam, it leaves Cena without an opponent. Is it going to be Corbin? Cena goes over Corbin at SummerSlam, and then Corbin cashes in later, much in the same way that Rollins lost to Orton at WrestleMania 2015 and then cashed in later on that night. I don't think it's a – John Cena's a free agent, so he can go Raw, he can go uh, SmackDown Live. So right. I don't think – I don't think we know his opponent yet. Baron Corbin kind of makes sense, but not Which, really. would it be? Uh, yeah. Fatal five-way. Jesus Christ. Featuring John Cena. <laughs> John Cena! <laughs> All right, that's enough. That'll move us on to our two counts. Hey, two beer. What's our two count? Uh, so two count is going to be that storyline between KO, AJ, and now we have Shane in there. Um, thanks for uh, to uh, Raiders of the Lost Mark for writing that down for me because I was not uh, paying attention during <laughs> our pre-meeting. So. We're going to stick with SmackDown. Yeah, we're going to stick with SmackDown. And um, this kind of leads me to think that that awful finish at uh, Battleground, that was Battleground, right? That was the last one. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. It's such so forgettable. Um, was actually a botch, and uh, as a as a botched finish. And so now we have KO AJ 
at SummerSlam because we had them fighting. Are you saying that they redid the finish on SmackDown, this, the finish that was fucked up at Battleground? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And uh, so that leads us to this ref bump and, uh, you know, KO, you know, complaining that he wants a ref that doesn't get, uh, you know, knocked down in, you know, any gust of wind. And he got in Daniel Bryan's face. It was pretty cool. Uh, but they have Shane as the special guest referee, which I think is cool because it's a slow burn to a KO Shane uh, potential, you know, WrestleMania match. And or you know some maybe even before that Survivor Series Survivor, Survivor Series, Series yeah uh, but uh, but yeah so you know we were playing hot potato with the U S title uh, AJ with the goddamn beautiful phenomenal forearm over the top to the to the floor dude looks like a fucking superhero when he does that I mean sick move I mean it it was a it was a good match we're getting like a lot of I mean really high quality matches for free. And back whenever I was just watching and keeping up with the the pay per views, like these are the kinds of things that may or may not have existed. But uh, I I feel like actually appreciative when I'm watching week to week and spending the time uh, to pay attention to these things because the storyline is solid and the matches are great. I think that that feud in particular though is a little overbooked. I think that there's been a bunch of strange finishes and like you said, that one at Battleground was probably a botch. The one where AJ fell through the table, where his leg fell through the monitor hole or whatever, um, that was fine because it was the first one of the few and they were going to have it. I think it's kind of weird having this match go to summer or this feud go to SummerSlam. Um, I was, I know most people are saying they'd rather have KO versus AJ uh, as a SummerSlam match than KO versus Shane. I am not of that opinion. I would rather see Shane versus a fresh opponent and KO versus or sorry AJ versus a fresh opponent and KO versus Shane just because I'm a Shane Mark I like his matches uh the, the like we said last week the AJ Shane match was the match of the night at WrestleMania and that that card had 40 matches on it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it um they they have overbooked it but I don't think they really know what they wanted to do. They, they're trying to protect both guys so much that now we're getting weird outcomes where, you know, like you said, the first time Shane, like Shane's foot, um, AJ's foot gets caught in the table. The second time around is, you know, a Vince call that goes south and you have a, a ridiculous pin that I still to this day don't think it's a pin. But In between that, a live match, you know, or a yeah. live championship yeah. right right in yeah. between that uh, title, title change of the house show joke. i mean it's it, this whole it could be done so much easier if they just stopped thinking about it just let this organically happen instead of oh you know let's have this fluky finish or you know let aj win the title at msg it's it's going to be okay i think they're going to have a, a solid match at SummerSlam. you know they'll give them 20 25 minutes to just let them Try to tear the house down. Shane is a a nice little wild card to eventually getting us where we're going to go at some point. But right. I just I, I think I get what you're saying with AJ and a fresh opponent. But here's the problem with that: they're too busy just doing one storyline at a time. There hasn't been anyone coming in that's been on you know a hot streak for like a, a month or so. You know he could be the next person to defend. You know. To, Trying right. to get the There's U.S. title, in- injuries too. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is the problem with it. They're just doing one storyline. It's just these two people focused on this title. There's nobody else on the peripheral. It's just 
KO and AJ. And that's why you can't have AJ. Well, you can, but it just would be like two and throwing two guys together and it wouldn't make sense. Well, I think this was our original worry about SmackDown Live being a shorter bench than Raw is that there was like six top guys and we were going to watch these top guys fight each other. And if they were going to have feuds with each other, those feuds were going to last longer, the, abnormally long because that's another one of my nicknames, by the way, <laughs> but it was going to, they were going to last abnormally long because there wasn't enough depth on the roster. And because there's two hours of content plus a pay-per-view to do every month. You, that's, that's not a good enough excuse. They've done this before. They've done it with the women's and the women's division is extremely Lacking of depth, but at the at a point they had two running storylines. Okay, you gonna tell me that you can't have a KO AJ storyline and two other mid Carters at the same time? No, yeah, no, that's not my point. My point is that KO AJ, you'd be you you. They really had to fuck up this feud for me to not want to see this match at SummerSlam. It's like we've already seen them. We've seen them fight so many times. That's my only point. I mean, they're not doing a very good job on the storyline. Let's just call it for what it is. Okay, I'm going to get the last word here. That's going to be uh, and we're gonna, now we're going to move on to our three count. Uh, JCB, what's our three count? Uh, three count. I guess we're going to talk about the uh, the main event picture on Raw. Um, yeah, we're going to be boring. We're going to talk about the main event picture. Well, I mean, I think... More so, let's be more specific. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar threatening to leave WWE if he loses the Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam, which um, it's it's a possibility. I mean, I don't think he's going to... I'm not sure who's going to win, but I don't think Brock Lesnar's going to win. Now, he's obviously been flirting with the UFC. John Jones called him out after John Jones put uh, Daniel Cormier to sleep on Saturday night, which was a, a nasty kick. If you haven't seen it, by the way, go check it out. It's brutal as hell. Made me sad. I, I'm not sad. If you talk all that shit and you get knocked the fuck out, guess what? Man, I'm going to be the first one. It was one brutal the way he beat the shit out of him after he was already out, though. Tough turkey. Stop talking shit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Brock Lesnar is using this as a bargaining chip at some point. Brock doesn't say the say these things Heyman doesn't say these things without some merit behind it I would not be surprised if Brock did go back to UFC after his five month suspension comes up you get a John Jones Brock Lesnar he has to serve he has to serve out the rest of his suspension though right if he comes back to the UFC he has to serve another six months of suspension five or six months I heard five it could be six it's whatever let's just say six but he has to be reinstated and then serve that suspension essentially yeah he has this is, to, this is a red herring this, this is this is all a red herring it's a clever red herring i think that oh, shit, I, well we have our we'll have our summer slam predictions later on this month <laughs> two beer what do you think i don't I, I don't know that it's a red herring i can see them doing this uh prolonged booking i think ufc is pretty smart with their booking uh the little bit that i watch and they're both a big draw uh, Lesnar is a huge draw, and him going to UFC is not necessarily going to hurt his WWE persona. In fact, it's only going to legitimize it even further. Unless he gets hurt. Unless he actually gets hurt. And it's only going to make gonna him look more like a badass. And he's going to end up being, you know, with another payday, whatever whatever pays him. If he's going to go to UFC, he's just going to go, and he I think he likes to fight, and he's just going to do it. And they're both controversial characters, him and John Jones. So I can see this happening. I think it's an easy way 
for them to write him out of the picture, which really wouldn't make me sad at all. He's already essentially out of the picture now. Man, you hate Brock Lesnar. I, I don't hate him. I just hate that he's such a part-timer. And it's a great gig for him. I mean, if I could do that, I could make that much money working that little, I would do it. Uh, but it doesn't mean I can't hate him for that. Um, I think I think that ultimately it's a red herring. I mean, the guy basically has two or three months off in between every match he takes anyway. Right. Um, I don't. I don't see him. Uh, so I. I mean, it's basically a lo- loser leaves town match, right? I mean, they they have a self imposed. They said we're leaving if he loses. And what Heyman? This is the genius of Heyman, and I don't think we really talk about Heyman all that much on this show. But this is the genius of Heyman: is that Heyman said he first he said uh, we're going to leave if Rock loses because this is so unfair. And he went down that path, and he cut this brilliant promo. And then, right when you think the promo's over, he goes, and the reason I'm saying that is because I know there's no way that Brock is going to lose this match. He, Paul is a master on the mic. I mean, he could sell ice to an Eskimo at this point. Number I mean, one all time. Yeah, he's the, he's the best promo of all time. Yeah, I was going to say it, it would be at manager wise, it would be hard for me to come up with anyone else. I think is, I think the only person that comes close to him is Flair. We're talking promo talkers like uh, I would go Heenan. You know, we're talking like commentary and stuff. I'm I'd love no, him. just I, cutting a promo, just like cutting a promo in front. Yeah, sell I would, a match. I would and, go Heyman and and Flair, and I put Punk underneath him. I, I, Rick Flair is always going to be number one oh. to me. It, it's I'm sorry, he, he's the quintessential heel. I mean, he rubs his riches in your face. He'll tell you that he's going to take your wife, do take her to Space Mountain, and then proceed to whack somebody, you know, in the ring for 60 minutes. I mean, you, you it, November seventh, thirty for thirty. I'm probably going to shed a tear because I'm so a Rick Flair mark. I can't wait for that thirty to thirty to come out because there's going to be probably stories that we haven't seen before. But I'll still say Rick Flair's. Hey, everybody out there listening, if you have an opinion on this and you want to talk about your favorite promo of all time, I encourage you to join Band from Ringside on Facebook. Friends of BFR is our discussion page that we like to have. We're also on Twitter at at BFR Pod, at BFR Bill, at BFR Zach with an H, and at BFR JCB. Tell us who your top five promos are. And if you don't, We'll just act like I never answered, asked the question. <laughs> no, but, say, I'm good with rejection. That's fine. Go, go ahead. No, um, like I said, I think Heyman does a great job, but it still allows me to think that what if Brock does leave? I mean, is this a good thing? I, I personally think so. I mean, ultimately, I think we need to get back to having somebody full-time as the universal champion. I mean, both the, you guys think that it's better if Brock loses? Do you think it's better if Brock leaves? Both you I, guys think think it, that? I think it's better that he loses. I don't think it's better that he leaves. Yeah, it, he doesn't need a belt to be a draw, and I'd like to see the belt on TV. I, I would agree with that. It's, it, it's now getting to the point where it needs to be... I disagree. Look, I, I, I get it, but Brock has ran his course as far as I'm concerned. We're, it's time to get... I can't even believe I'm getting ready to say this. I wouldn't be mad if Roman Reigns won. <laughs> Dude, it, dudes, him having the belt makes the belt so must-see, makes his matches so must-see, just because they're so much different than anything else that happens in WWE. 
Not anymore, man. You know I mean, what? It's, it's different it's, than anything that happens across wrestling in general. It's it's not the same. The only reason it's special is because he takes two or three months off, and then when he gets back into the ring, it's the same nonsense. That has to count for something, though. It, it, no, it's not the same nonsense. It is. They're it's crazy. Suplex City. How many freaking German suplexes are we going to see on a night-to-night basis with this a dude? Lot. Okay, but... When he first came back, he came back in a more of a, an MMA style where he was doing Kimura locks. He was breaking guys' arms. That made him dangerous. That's the Brock Lesnar I want to see. 15 suplexes, that's not the guy I want to see. That is old. You take that, you take the fact that he's not on TV hardly at all. Why? What's the interest for me? What's the level of interest for me for Brock Lesnar? There is minimal at best. The reason why I watch is because of who he is, not what he does. And that'll be the end. I was just going to say, yeah, because whenever you get to his match, it ends up being boring except for his opponent. Joe made that match, that last match. It wasn't Brock. I agree. I'm going to get the last word on this. And that'll be the end of our (laughs) three counts. And let me ask you guys. Um... Did you guys watch Game of Thrones last week? Uh, yeah, I did not. I'm not caught up. Well, I'm still waiting on that Wins of Winter book. So, uh, my wife and I had a nice little tour around South City on our bicycles last uh, Sunday. We hit up a few bars, had a good time. Then, nice. we, then we were going to go to our friend's house and watch Game of Thrones. And it was like, well, what are we going to eat? Have you guys eaten yet? And we were going back and forth on text. And I said, you know what? You know what to do. You know I'm going to stop by Soul Taco for you motherfuckers. And I'm right. going to pick up Soul Taco for everybody. There you go. And what I did was I went to Soul Taco and I said, what do you guys want? And without question, Soul Taco has a lot of great stuff there. But there was five items for four of us because you know me. I get, the, I get the extra burrito. <laughs> <laughs> All five were spicy pork. Nice. So I went ahead and I made an audible. And I got the steak as my second burrito. Yeah, I like the steak a lot. So after riding my bike all day, I went back to our friend's house. And before Game of Thrones started, I ate one and a half burritos. So I only had a half burrito. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I hope my doctor's not listening because she told me to eat less. (laughs) I ate so much soul taco. But friends, BFR fans, listeners, Please check out Soul Taco. Uh, they have a location in the U-City Loop. They have a location in Columbia, Missouri, Champaign, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, and they have two food trucks that drive around uh, St. Louis metro area. Um, you can find them all over the place. You can find them on Twitter. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. That is Soul Taco, S-E-O-U-L, Soul Taco. Tell them Ban from Ringside sent you. This is Ban from Ringside. So uh, that leads us to our uh, New Japan Weekly Roundup with our own Jason Cornelius Bell. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, if you've not been paying attention, then you should be thrown into a ditch if you have it. The New Japan G1 tournament has been going on. This is, as we're saying, I would say this is the second half of the tournament. Um, Just touching on... Matches from, I would say, last week was the 27th. So the 26th through today is matches I just want to touch on. You know, matches that if you wanted to start watching New Japan on a regular basis or you're just trying to catch up with 
what has been going on. These are some of the matches I would highly suggest watching. On the day 7th, the 26th, uh, I got down uh, Naito and Nagata. That was a, a stiff match. Plus, I'm a Naito mark, so I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with me on that. Uh, Yoshihashi versus Ishii. Uh, Yoshihashi is... For me, I consider him like a mid-card kind of guy, and he's been really kind of stepped up his game in this G1 tournament. Uh, and Tanahashi Goto. Uh, Tanahashi is basically the, I hate to use the word rock star, but essentially that's the way he's being portrayed as. More than Naito? Just yeah. because he, he does. He's got the, the hair. He's got, he got the, the strumming. He, yeah, he does the guitar, you know, the air guitar or whatever. That's part of his shtick. Naito's just to me more like a, just the all-around, you know, I'm the fucking badass. I'm the shit. You know, um, how kind of who would he be in WWE? Um, I know. Yeah, mm, like a better Dolph Ziggler, like a super cocky heel. Yeah, I was going to say Dolph Ziggler might be an, uh, an insult to Naito, but kind of sort of on that same line. So the show off, if you will. Uh, day day eight, the twenty seventh, Elgin and Omega, I think is one of the best matches that we've had in the tournament up to date. Um, Michael Elgin, I don't think, gets enough credit. And I'm not saying this because of our relationship with Glory Pro. Friend of the show. Yeah, that was going to say, he's uh, he had a good match against Naito. He's going to have a good match against uh, Omega. He's sitting at, what do I have him down at? Four points, and he's wrestling tonight against Yano, who essentially is the Santino Morella of New Japan Wrestling. So he needs this win. He basically has to start running the table because Okada's sitting at the top with 10 points, basically undefeated. In and this, Okada fought Elgin too. Yeah, that was another good match. I think I had that, was that one. Stiff match. Yeah, I got that one coming up here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, Michael Elgin's gonna have to do some work. I think he's gonna uh, he'll win tonight, and then we'll see what happens down the line. Juice Robinson is the, one of the other guys that I was really impressed with. He was the former CJ Parker in NXT, and basically was a go card jobber. And now all of a sudden he's in New Japan and. He's has this, I wouldn't say reoccurring knee injury, but he hurt the knee in the first week, and they've kind of played off of that throughout this G1. Another thing that I don't think WWE does well is where you have an injury, and then, you know, they don't even play the injury up throughout the match, much less throughout the tournament. Juice Robinson has played this knee injury up, and the fans have kind of gotten behind him. Him and... uh Tomatoga had a really good match on the uh, the Day 8 show. And Suzuki, who I just feel is like the freaking crime boss of New Japan. I mean, he has... Man, his, hair, <laughs> his hair looks like... He looks like a Tekken character. Yeah, yeah very yeah. good. Great analogy. His hair looks so fucked up. He doesn't give two shits who you are. If you're not Suzuki Gun, and you're basically going to be getting the work done. Him and uh, Evil had a really good match on Day 8. Day 9, uh, Ishii Naito, again, another great match. Uh, Tanahashi, Yoshi, once again, this is where I'm, I kind of caught myself. And I'm like, damn, I'm writing his name a lot. Yoshihashi has really been one of the two big, or two or three really big stars that not named Okada, not named Omega, not named Naito. Um, Goto, Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. just twisted Goto up like it was a little pretzel. That was a really good match as well. Day 10, Sonata is another guy I like. He got... Um, I don't think he gets enough credit just because he's in the uh, faction with Naito. Him and Michael Elton had a good match on day 10. Uh, Okada and Juice Robinson didn't think that was going to be a good match. But once again, the knee injury plays a huge part in that whole match. That was a really good match. I thought that was the match of the night on day 10. And Suzuki uh, Tonga had a really good match. It was stiff, 
from the jump. It was much more outside the ring chaos, but inside the ring they did well. And then day 11, I guess that's the 1st of August, so day 12 will be tonight at, well, I shouldn't say tonight, this morning at uh, 4.30. Were there any matches you didn't like? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, those are the matches that were not. And it's so hard because, just in my opinion, this the whole tournament has been really, really hitting the mark when you do have a bad match and it might not even really be a bad match it just might not be at the level of expectation that you would think it would be I kind of catch myself like man you know I I didn't really like that match but I mean you know when you compare it to some of the nonsense we've seen on WWE you you kind of take it back and it's all in perspective it's not going to be five-star matches every match that's fine the way they book it the way that Guys play off of injuries, I think, is the two biggest things that I'm taking away from this. And this tournament kind of makes sense. They're pushing Okada as their champion. He's undefeated, and he's having great matches throughout the tournament. WWE wouldn't push, unless it was like Brock Lesnar. Okay, well, that's the only person they I could think put of. They wouldn't put him in the tournament. tournament. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It's a whole... It's a whole different feel, and that's why I keep harping on the fact that if you don't watch New Japan, and, and I'm sick of hearing people talking about, oh, WWE sucks, you know, I don't want to watch it anymore. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But there are alternatives out there, and this is one of the alternatives. And that's the point. Go watch New Japan, people, because we're watching it. You know, we're a couple weeks away from being a completely New Japan podcast, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. No, I was going to say, uh, two and I were talking about it, and we want, I want to do something after the whole tournament is done. So, you know, kind of recap it, you know. Sure. Talk about guys that, you know, that stepped up and pressed or whatever the case may be and try to look down the line and see if this is – hell, at this rate, Okada is not going to be wrestling anybody if he go ahead and, and wins this tournament because obviously the winner of the tournament gets the title shot or whatever. And he's sitting on the top of the B block, like I said, at 10 points. He's got the most points out of anybody in the tournament. Like I said, he's run the table. You got three or four guys with eight points on the A block, three or four guys with six points. So that A block's wide open. B block is probably going to be Okada versus Kenny Omega, which would make me believe that would be the, the, was that the 12th of August is probably going to decide that block. It's the one right before the final. Yep. All right, everybody, and that was Jason Cornelius Bell's <laughs> New Japan <laughs> Weekly Roundup. This is banned from ringside. Okay, uh, some odds and ends that we're going to go over for the last 20 minutes that we have the microphones. Um, SmackDown was pretty good, and I would want to talk about first that we had uh, my favorite match on SmackDown was Chad Gable versus Rusev. Absolutely. <laughs> dick. I knew you were going to break that, that was up. That was absolutely the that best match, match was, of the night. No, it was good. That match that was, was good. dope. No, it was good. It was good. Um, it was good to see Rusev actually, I want, I want to say put forth effort, but it was good to see Rusev bounce back and get the win, a much-needed win. A, a part of me really thought that, and I said it on Twitter, I thought that Chad Gable was going to win it just because Rusev had been put, booked so poorly, but it was good to see Rusev, you know, actually have a good match. You know, he sold Chad Gable's moveset well. Ultimately, Gable, Gable lost nothing in that match. No, Gable, they both looked strong. Yeah, nope. they both looked really great. Yeah. Gable should lose because he's about half the size of Rusev. Uh, but the that, fact that they had him throw Rusev around as much as he did, nobody manhandles Rusev. Even John Cena didn't manhandle Rusev I know. like that. Yeah, it was fun. And um, he almost he almost looked like Kurt Angle. 
That's the thing, man. He did the ankle lock and the moonsault, which are both Kurt Angle moves. Like yeah. That has to be by design. I know he's done the ankle lock for a long time. He used to do the ankle lock in NXT. I can't remember him doing the moonsault. I'm sure if there were smarks listening, they could correct me on that. I think yeah, he's done, done it. I think, he's, I think he has done it, but it's. I agree with you guys. It's scary how his moveset, those two moves in particular, when especially when he had Rusev and the ankle lock and they were kind of had a an angle camera angle going up diagonally or whatever. Uh it really looked like Kurt Angle right there. It was just like it was scary. I like that match. I like that match a lot. And I liked it better than Nakamura Cena. If only for the reason that I said this on Twitter. It looked kind of sad watching Nakamura try to have to take Cena's five moves of doom. Like <laughs> it was like so slow. It's like what are you doing? Uh another uh upset which was strange on SmackDown, was Aiden English beat Sami Zayn. Clean. Yeah. And uh, it was almost like Sami Zayn was like, holy shit, he won. And Aiden English is like, holy fuck, I won. Yeah. Like, uh, what? I don't I don't get what they're doing with Sami. I, I, I really thought that going to SmackDown would kind of give him a little bit of a boost, maybe give him a big hard run. It just seems like they're just uh, they're they, content with him. I don't him think a loss with, on SmackDown is hurting his image. It, yeah, I think it's they, already, can, it's, they it, can build him back up at any time. Yeah. I don't think they're going to. I really think that he is he's a hand for other guys to get over with. I have it on good authority. Uh, one person that I know that works at WWE. <laughs> not to be named. No, we're not, we don't name drop around here. Apparently Aiden English and John Cena are boys. Oh, and John Cena loves Aiden English. And apparently an Aiden English push is coming down the road well i really i really dug his intro like that whole like oh the singing the slow singing, thing yeah. it's so i mean it just draws so much heat it's and heat generating for it's, sure and it's good and he's good in the ring um the fashion files the twin peaks fashion <laughs> files i've never watched twin pinks it's been on my list for i don't know like 12 years i've watched twin pinks i've never seen twin Ooh. peaks twin pinks that was once again, we're getting into my porn hub. Yeah, right. Search twin, history. Twin Twinks volume seven. <laughs> <laughs> I did like uh I did like when it started not making sense and then Tyler Breeze because uh, I've never watched Twin Peaks either. I did like it when it stopped making sense and Tyler Breeze says, No wonder the show got canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was saying, I didn't really watch it either, but that was the uh, basically the running joke where towards the end of the the show or whatever it wasn't making sense. At least that was people were telling me I'm glad I didn't even bother with it. Um, they took away Elias Sampson's last name. Yeah, this is just another example of them overbranding. Uh, Elias Sampson, like, you know, hello, my name is Elias Sampson. Sounds way better than, hello, my name is Elias. Yeah, why did I they mean, get rid of the last name? He should have still been the drifter, honestly. They, he could have been the drifter Elias Sampson. Right. Like, they don't have, you know, you can have two names, you, you know. The crippler Chris Benoit, you know, I don't know why I use that as an but, example. But, but yeah, just that was his name. Yeah, but... The whole thing is is silly. It's an example of like overbranding and them wanting to own the name. Essentially, yeah, being I would, able I, to own the character for sure. I was going to say same. They did the same thing with Cesaro. There was no reason to, to shorten his name or whatever the case may be. Almost everybody from NXT has shortened their name. I yeah. mean, so Adrian Neville, Adrian uh, Neville, Antonio Cesaro, Elias Sampson, Biggie Langston, and there was one that we just mentioned earlier. Now I can't remember who we were talking. Cass about. was like a. Cass was Colin Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah. And now he's big Cass. I mean, it's it's more probably more so like two beers said, it's more along the lines of keeping 
the name, the trademark under the WWE umbrella. So just in case you decide you want to leave, okay, you can leave, but we get we get to keep the name. I mean, that's why Chris Denman named me Two Beer. Yeah, that is why. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he's keeping all that money. Yeah. <laughs> he's got all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris Denman. <laughs> um. Do we want to talk about Jason Jordan on Ms. TV? Yeah, we need to talk about it because this is this is what I was saying last week. He's a heel, right? He's, he's gonna be, and he's, he's gonna, gonna be, he's gonna fight with Gable, and it's gonna be good. This is what, but I think Miz as his first opponent is a good way to start. That way, not all the verbal onus is on Jason Jordan. Miz is one of the best in the business when it comes to you know cutting the heel promo. He's going to be able to take that route. Now, Are we getting the Miz versus Jason Jordan at SummerSlam for the IC? I, I think the IC might be a little much, but yeah, I think we get the match. I don't. Once again, I don't think. Well, it's not going to not. It's not going to not be for the belt. I know, but title, that, not not for the title. I don't work for the fucking company. <laughs> I can call whatever the fuck I want, man. Grown ass men on I this. I call the belt. Right. I think it's going to be for the, the title. Um, you wouldn't start this program unless you had a plan for that. Obviously, I don't think Miz would drop the belt to uh, Jason Jordan, but we'll see. I just, I, it's going to be for the title. I just I can't really see Miz dropping it to Jason Jordan this early. Yeah, I see him winning dirty. Yeah, that's what I say. Somehow the, the yeah. Miz Taraj or Maurice gets involved or whatever the case yeah, may it's be. Not, it's not like the SummerSlam... It's not like SummerSlam is how it used to be, where it has to be the end of a feud. Like SummerSlam can be the beginning of a feud. It can't be. Cell's not even the end of a feud anymore. They just have people fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. They don't give a shit. Hell in a Cell has kind of lost a little bit of its luster, but yeah, I get what you're saying. More times than not, when you get to that point, it's like the steel cage was back in the 80s. When you got a steel cage match, this was the end of this feud, and then the two guys separated and they went on separate paths. It's not the same thing, and it probably never will be the same thing. Anymore. Well, what what changed it was, I mean, you have Hell in a Cell matches now without blood. Yeah. There was never a steel cage match in the '80s without blood. Yeah, and you and put a guy in a cage to bleed. Right, and it, it like like you were saying that it builds up to this dramatic finish to where now you know we put the, the period at the end of the sentence and we can move on to something else. Uh, we had the Bray Wyatt promo, and I I gotta say about Bray Wyatt that. <laughs> When Balor appeared behind Bray Wyatt with his back to him, there wasn't a pop for Finn Balor, and I don't think that's Finn Balor's fault. I think that it's Bray Wyatt's fault for not being able to generate heat anymore because he cuts a promo, and granted, if he cut one promo a month, we'd be talking about him like he's the best promo of all time. He's great. And I think he's not One generating the best heat promos because he should be a face. Well, he could be a face, definitely. But he's overexposed and he never wins. And and that's ultimately the biggest problem. I don't think a face turn would help him that much. Um, oh, I, think, I, think, it I would, think it would. Because he has won some feuds. We say he never wins because he does eat a lot of pins. But, I mean, he went over Cena in the Elimination Chamber and won the WWE Championship. It was a short run. Uh, I mean, he's won some very significant matches, but he's also been in some terrible matches like the House of Horrors match. Okay, I was going to say, up until him not his, losing not his the... fault. We're going to have another... Yeah. We're going <laughs> to have another Rusev moment here. So. Like, three, two, go. Bray Wyatt, I'm sorry, is booked poorly, and there is lies the biggest problem. 
when he had the title, you should have let him have a little run all the way up until right now. This is when he probably should have been losing the title. Instead, you pull the, you know, the audible or whatever, and now you got Jinder Mahal as champion. Not saying that's a bad thing, but that doesn't help Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt needs Vince to back him up because Vince ultimately makes these calls. Vince is just happy just be, you know, that he gets reaction. That's not good enough anymore. I, yeah, I'd say right at this point that Bray is backing Vince up. Bray's giving Vince the backup, being like, hey, I can be here for you and I can get so I can generate some sort of money. But Vince has got to give Bray his back at some point and say, I'm going to put a belt on you. At I mean, at this point, it, it, at this point, it wouldn't even be strapping the rocket to his back. It would just be, I'm going to give you something. Yeah, anything. Like, He's over with the fans. There would not be, you know, 10,000 people in an arena being fireflies with their cell phone lights if he wasn't over and didn't have something to him. Right. One of the biggest pops that... I think I've heard all year is when Bray Wyatt won the title, even though, you know, there was that little rumbling that it could happen when it actually happened. You know, I caught myself like, oh, shit, he just won the title. And he pinned John Cena to do it. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? But that place was dead the other night when Finn Balor came out. And I don't think it was Finn's fault. It's neither one of theirs faults. Uh, yeah. This is more creative. They're not doing what they need to do. To well, it's years up. and years of them not doing their job for Bray. Yeah. And it's starting to culminate in a... A possible lackluster feud because I mean honestly I'm I don't really care about this feud at all I'm you know Bray is Bray as far as I'm concerned I'm ready for Fandom you know go ahead beat Bray in this feud and let's move on <laughs> I'm with you I don't care about the feud either uh, I think we're getting closer to what we talked about last week which is Rollins and Ambrose versus Sheamus and Cesaro that's what it looks like we're going towards at SummerSlam yeah and, good call on that last week and I think we're going to get Rollins and Ambrose victorious unless Ambrose turns on Rollins. Yeah, I, I see them taking it because that makes Ambrose a grand slam. And I think, it, you know, as much as I like the belts on Cesaro and Sheamus, uh, that would be a huge pop. Maybe, and this is just me being a revival mark, maybe that's the way you can get the revival as the next contenders to the the tag titles is if you put it on... Uh, Rollins and Ambrose. That way, you, you can. This is no knock against Sheamus and Cesaro. I thought they, they. This was a tag team I despised at first, and now they've grown oh, I on to love them. Not yeah. at first. I just thought this was a cop out for the uh, the best of seven series when they were going for the uh, the U.S. title, and then they decided, you know, they had the the wanky ending on the uh, the final. Get, Game seven, I guess, for lack of a better term. I definitely right. to it. Okay, so then they decided to put them together as a team. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. So they decided to put them together as but a team. And then, uh, you know, it went from there. Right then, I didn't like it because I thought it was a cop-out for not just saying one or the other is now the new number one contender for the U.S. title. Now this team is growing on me. I'm kind of sad that it seems like they're getting ready to lose the belts to Rollins and Ambrose. This is banned from ringside. All right, guys, uh, we're going to get to uh, our This Week in History in Wrestling. Um, 11 years ago, he had ECW on Sci-Fi debut, which also coincided. Do you remember ECW being on Sci-Fi, J-Bell? Now that you say it, yes. I, I wouldn't. If you asked me beforehand, I wouldn't have guessed it. This uh, ECW on Sci-Fi debut is... Noteworthy for two reasons. Uh, the Big Show versus Batista main event got shit on. 
Who do you think has Royally. a bigger dick? Ro- uh, Big Show and Batista? Yeah, who do you think? Big Show. Yeah? I Big don't know. Show. Look, just because he's seven foot doesn't mean it, he's swinging like that downstairs now. No, hold on. Big Show definitely has a bigger dick than Batista. I have a really funny story about Shaq, by the way. So I know a guy who was standing next to Shaq at a urinal, and yes. he tried, tried to get a peek. And uh, he said, crazy, right? Big guy, little dick. No way. Yeah. Don't believe it. No, Shaq said it. Like, in like a self-deprecating kind of manner. Oh, Shaq said it? Shaq said that. He saw him trying to get a peek, and he's like, crazy, right? He's like, big guy, little dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fuck, yeah. Okay, now see, there you go. That's my point. Shaq was my dog anyway, man. No, Jack's bad. That's what I say. No question about it. All right, so Big Show versus Batista got shit on. Like the, It was the first time that uh, WWE had been on sci-fi. I just, I just watched it. And the crowd started chanting, change the channel, change the channel, Ooh. change the channel. Oh, God. Uh, it's also noteworthy because it was CM Punk's WWE debut. Huh. Okay. I'll give you $100 if you can tell me who he beat in his, <laughs> in his WWE debut. No clue. Okay, I'm not even going to try it. Good no wrestler, clue. terrible name, just incredible. Hmm, okay. Uh, let's see. 17 years ago, this is going to be our second week in a row. I think I'm going to try to add Lance Storm history in here. <laughs> Lance Storm defeated Chavo for the WCW Cruiserweight <laughs> Championship uh, 17 years ago. Good follow on Twitter. Uh, who is? Uh, Lance Storm. Yeah, Lance Storm. Yes, I do follow him on Twitter. I don't follow Chavo, though. Um, Racist. Lance Storm's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's uh, totally the same thing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rich. Oh, we like Rich so much. That's Rich the Engineer over there, guys. We like him better than Sam. Sam's getting ready. That was place. perfect timing. Uh, four years ago, Tito Ortiz returned to TNA, and uh, oh, that God. was that was the jump off to his incredible wrestling career that he's had to this oh, day. I mean, Tito Lord. Ortiz is still one of the biggest names in the game. Um, uh, Billy Corgan started resistance pro wrestling six years ago. Uh, didn't work out very well, but he he did buy, uh, the rights to NWA not that long ago. That's, that's working out well so far. I mean, I wonder how much he bought the rights to NWA. It finally got cleared up in court. So it was just like just a few weeks ago that they finally like finalized everything. So Jesus Christ. So he, he has the rights to NWA. Yeah. It's all cleared up. I'd like to see him make a territory out of it. We're, we're sorely lacking in like, you know, you know, territories. We got, you know, a pretty strong independent scene in St. Louis. I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but maybe it's still that way down in Nashville, Memphis, but it'd be cool to see again. So was that left, was that left up to a judge? I think it was just uh, they had to, you know, clear everything legally. I don't think it was. Dot eyes, cross you keys. Type you, don't think, you don't think he disarmed that judge with a smile? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry, guys. Hell no. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and we'll say happy birthday, 45th birthday to Devon Dudley. And happy 55th birthday to John Laurinaitis, who Big I John. think had one of the most underrated runs as a GM God, he was in horrible. WWE. No, he was good, he was man. Stop no, it. I loved him. Dude, he was brutal. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us for this week of Band from Ringside. Like I said earlier, you can find us on Facebook at Band from Ringside. Friends of BFR is when we have our discussions uh, at BFR JCB, at BFR Zach with an H. At BFR Bill, at BFR Pod. We'd like to thank Shock City Studios. We'd like to thank Chris Denman, even though he's taking all of his money from BFR Zach with an H. (laughs) 
better we, south side we'd like to thank lot. engineer rich who we like so much better than sam fuck sam, sam i don't even know who's i was like sam i don't even who? know where sam is uh we'd like to thank free play media we'd like to thank you guys for listening to the podcast we know that there's a lot of podcasts to listen to so we appreciate you taking the time out to listen to ours for jason cornelius bell for Hello. two beers zach for bill raiders of the lost smart <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we will see you next week. And everybody, don't be hills. Rabbit fever, middle of the night. I'm a believer, down for a fight. Get home from work and score some cool gummy sweats. It's an experience you won't forget. Because when we get up and go, and when we lose our control, we're banned from ringside. You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network.